Great. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, welcome, especially if you're a visitor amongst us. You're so welcome. I hope you feel really at home um, with us today. Um, I'm excited too, so <laughs> let's see how we get on. So really, I guess what I want to do this morning um, is share a few things that um, have been on my heart recently, um, some things that God has been speaking to me about um, over recent months. And I guess I've been thinking about these then in the context um, of our sort of new series. I suppose it's not that new anymore. But um, as we've been thinking about um, what it means to be disciples on a mission, and um, I just love how our commission to go and make disciples of all nations remains. And God has been reminding us of the authority and the power that he's given us to do this. We sang this morning, didn't we, of the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. It's just awesome. So I've been thinking about how our discipleship uh, is never was never meant to start and end with us. It's for the generations that are to come. And this is for all of us. It's not just those that we kind of think particularly gifted. Jesus equips all of us for mission. And um, I love how Rob asked us that really provoking question a few weeks ago. Do you know what you've got? Do you know that power that lives in you? Because as spirit-filled believers, we have incredible potential to impact the lives of those around us. I love the picture that Jesus uses in John 7. We've actually already thought about it. Uh, Rob kicked us off this morning talking about this picture. It's when Jesus is at the, the Festival of Tabernacles and he's in the temples teaching and he stands up and he says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And then it goes on to say, by this he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Well, that's us, isn't it? As those who have received his spirit, we have this river of living water, this river of life flowing out of us, bringing life to those around us. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I know that that's true, but it can feel like more of a trickle. And that's because I get tired, I get worn out, I get weary, and I disconnect from the truth that I have the potential to bring life to those around me. So what I want us to do this morning is really just to have the opportunity to press pause for a moment and ask ourselves a question. Am I making choices today that will impact and influence future generations? This is a a question that I've been asking myself recently. And I remember saying to someone at the end of the summer term, so as we were coming towards the holidays, that I wanted to recharge over the summer, to be ready to run well again in September. 
And as I thought about this over the summer, I realised that actually it's not just about gearing up to run well at the start of the new term, following a period of feeling really worn out and exhausted, but rather making choices that enable me to run well as a disciple on a mission in all seasons of life, rather than having periods of sort of sprinting really well and then being in danger of burning out. If we're to run well as disciples on a mission, then I believe that we need to make intentional choices that equip us to love Jesus and serve him in a way that is sustainable. Now, some of you know that my degree subject was geography, um, and I can be a bit of a geography geek at times, so just humour me for a minute. Um, In geography, if something is sustainable, it means to be able to be maintained at a certain rate without the depletion of natural resources. There you go. So uh, at school, I'm a a teacher, and uh, when we talk about um, developing a sustainable future, you kind of need to think about meeting today's needs without compromising the needs of future generations. So kids are taught the importance of protecting the environment and using sort of renewable resources rather than burning all the fossil fuels And and actually, at its core, sustainability sees the generations that are to come and makes choices now that will impact and influence them. I think there's something prophetic there for us. Sustainability as a spiritual principle means we live our life with a long-term view. We are to offer ourselves to God as those who have a life to offer, rather than being exhausted and worn out or disillusioned. And so from that position then, we can invest in those that will come after us, those who God is calling us to influence for his kingdom, as he sends us out to bring life to others. So I want to look at three keys today to help us live this life of sustainable mission. And they are, firstly, reliance on the Father. Secondly, to just keep things simple by loving well. And thirdly, developing sustainable rhythms. Now, these are things that I am still discovering and learning to walk in. So I'm speaking to myself in all this too. So we're going to start by uh, looking at what the Bible says first about sustainable service in God's kingdom. And then we'll move on to some practical pointers. So if you've got a Bible with you, can I just invite you to turn to Romans chapter 12? It will come up on the screen as well. But we're going to look at Romans 12 in the first couple of verses. So this is Paul speaking and he says, Therefore... I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. 
So in verse 1, Paul gives us this encouragement to live a life of sacrifice. Now, sacrifice is not a new concept to us as believers. We know that life as a Christian is very often not the easy option. But the kind of sacrifice that Paul is talking about here is not the same as burnout. I believe that God wants to remind us today that our sacrifice is to be living rather than getting to the end of ourselves and finding we have nothing else to give. You see, a sacrifice goes on and on being offered so long as life lasts. It's not short-lived or for certain seasons of life. If I'm off work because I've run myself into the ground, then my sacrifice may barely be alive. I believe that Paul is talking here about living life in such a way that we are able to offer a sacrifice that is sustainable. And it says that it's only in view of God's mercy that we are able to live this way. As we recognise all that God has done for us in his son, as we've done this morning, and as Paul outlines in the previous chapters of Romans, in terms of dealing with our sin and exchanging it for righteousness by faith, it becomes clear that the only possible response that we could make is to offer our lives back to him as true and proper worship. In verse 2, Paul explains how this giving of ourselves is to be carried out. What is required is a total transformation of our worldview. We are no longer to look at life in terms of this world, but in terms of the realm that we now belong to as believers in Christ. The realm characterised by his Holy Spirit. We are called to renew our minds so that we can test and approve what God's will is for every situation that we face. We have his spirit living in us, guiding us moment by moment as we offer our life to the Father. Now, as I read these verses, I know that I've known times where I have conformed to the pattern of this world. So, for example, in a work context, that means living my life in a way that is performance-driven, where I am responsible for success and nothing feels good enough. There's always more to achieve, more to do. I remember hearing a, a TED talk by a guy called Sean Aker, and he talks about the achievement horizon that you never reach. It always just keeps moving. I know too well that I'm vulnerable to coming under this worldly pattern And it can have really damaging effects on me, as well as implications for others, those who are looking in, those who God has brought alongside me to influence. And this is because it produces a culture of works in my life where I am in charge of outcomes because I'm operating out of self-reliance. This is not sustainable. And I find myself feeling restless and exhausted with little of myself to give when I come under that pattern. Instead, I am called to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, to operate not from a place of self-reliance, but in total dependence on the Father and his Spirit. I found that actually the easiest way for me to renew my mind is by using declarations of truth. 
Now, I love the declarations that Rob shared with us as he launched this new series. And, uh, and it made me think I actually wrote some declarations of my own about a year ago in response to some lies that I ident- identified that I was vulnerable to believe. So now I have like a little note in my phone of all these declarations that I seem to be collecting But what I do with those is have a a look at them each morning and say the the ones that feel pertinent out loud as I enter the day. So I just thought I'd remind you of some of the ones that Rob shared because I just think they're great. So I am the head, not the tail. I have insight. I have wisdom. I have ideas and divine strategies. I have authority. I have the wisdom of God today. I will think the right thoughts, say the right words and make the right decisions in every situation I face. And this one, I love it. I expect to have powerful divine appointments today to run into the right people and to be delivered from the wrong people. There is something incredibly powerful about entering the day with this mindset These things are true, not because of anything I have done, but in view of God's mercy. Romans 8 tells me that because of Jesus, I am now a child of God. I'm a co-heir with Christ. I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. And I'm learning that I cannot underestimate the power of declaring these truths at the start of the day. I've seen real breakthrough in my thought patterns, particularly in terms of being rooted in and relying on the Father for all that the day ahead holds, as well as raising my expectations of divine appointments and kingdom encounters. So just to give you an example, yesterday I went to uh, the firework display at Tudor Grange and on my way back with my friend to the car park, there was a teenager who was looking a little bit anxious and nervous standing just on the corner And loads and loads of people had walked past her. But for some reason, she looked me straight in the eye and asked me for help. And basically what had happened is she had got separated from her dad. Uh, She was in this huge car park and her phone had died. She had no charge. So I was able to stand with her. I lent her my phone so she could ring her mum because she knew that number off by heart. Um, and just was able to comfort her and encourage her and just uh, just speak words of assurance over her that the car park was clearing, her dad would see her, it would all be fine. And just to be able to wait for her. But the thing that really struck me was that, as I said, loads of people went past her. And yet it was me that she made a beeline for. It was like somehow she knew that I was safe. (laughs) But I really believe that's because I've started to have these declarations at the start of the day that I will run into the people that God wants me to run into. She even said to me, I never talk to strangers. And she talked to me. So I just thought I'd share that as a little encouragement. This all comes from the place of relying on the Father. And I actually think that Jesus is the ultimate model of sustainability in all of this. In John 5, verse 19, he says of himself, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus modeled total reliance on his father to show the disciples the pattern their life should take. He is so utterly submitted to the Father that the two are one in the work that they do. 
Jesus places no limit on his dependence on the Father, and neither should we. Anything that causes us to rely on ourselves produces this culture of works, and it is simply not sustainable. Our gifts, our ideas, our plans, they only take us so far and last so long. Instead, we need to be asking the Father, what are you doing? Whose life are you working in right now? How can I partner with what you're doing? So for me, this has changed the way that I look at my working day. I remember hearing Alan Scott say that actually we don't take the kingdom to work. Jesus is already there waiting for us, saying, come on, let's get started. I used to get in really early to set up and prepare for the day in my classroom, purely on a practical level. And what I've been learning to do over the last couple of years is to prioritise preparing first for kingdom encounters in my classroom. So there's been a shift from me and my ability to set up for the day, to control everything, to intentionally looking to the Father to set up the day for me. Now, I still need to be a good steward and set up practically, but I now do this from a place of relying on the Father. So for me, that looks like asking uh, for the Holy Spirit to fill me each day. Um, Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled with the Spirit. We need to go on being filled, don't we, every day. And then um, my journey to work is actually very short. My school isn't far from my house. So for me, I just will pray in tongues in that journey. Just feel like that's the best use of that time. And then as I come into the school and walk down the corridor and open the door to my classroom, I intentionally welcome the Holy Spirit. I very often am the first one in my sort of corridor to arrive. So I'll put the lights on. And as I do that, it kind of reminds me prophetically, that's what I'm doing here. I get to come and bring light and life and God's presence. Recently as well, I've also been asking God to set angels at strategic places in my classroom. So at the entrance and the exits, anywhere that people will be coming and going. And recently we had um, a week at work where people were feeling really quite unsettled due to some changes that were being implemented on us as a school that were beyond our control. And I just felt like there was the potential for division. I was aware of conversations that were going on, that people were feeling fearful and unsettled. And so I prayed that God would send an angel of unity to my school. And after I prayed that, I felt a real shift in the atmosphere. Meetings that had previously been difficult became cooperative and strategic. And responses to changes in work patterns were accepted and met with encouragement. This was an example of where starting my day, saying aloud those declarations of truth, helped me to rely on the Father, rather than trying to fix atmospheres in my own strength. One of the declarations that I wrote last year is, I am fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image and belong to his kingdom. <clears throat> so I am free to bring fun, joy, peace comfort, freedom, life, and the presence of the king wherever I go. I'd really encourage you to have a go at writing your own declarations that help you to speak life into the places that God puts you. 
So first and foremost, living a life of sustainable mission means relying on the Father. Secondly, it's about keeping it simple by loving well. Now, the summer for me is often a time where I kind of take a bit of time to reflect and take stock and do a bit of dreaming and wondering with God about the future. And I was conscious this year that um, I've just entered my 10th year of teaching. So that felt quite significant and I felt like I should pray about it. So uh, so I end up asking questions like, um, am I in the right school? How long do you want me to be teaching for? How should I be using my time? Am I following your calling or should I be doing something else? Um, all these different questions. And very quickly, actually what I find happens is I tie myself in knots because I inadvertently make it all about me. But what I've realised is it is vital we keep our destiny dreaming and call in the context of an outward focus. The context of a given day, just like that girl last night that I met at the fireworks. And actually, God was speaking to me about this in terms of just keeping it simple. I'd complicated everything. And he did this by reminding me of Jesus's words in Matthew 22, verse 37 to 39, where he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Keep it simple. Love God and love people. That's helped me to stop worrying about what's next and focus on loving well, wherever he puts me. So a better question that I can ask is, is this the most loving way that I can live my life? I really enjoyed hearing Francis Chan at New Day this year. I had the opportunity to go and hang out with our amazing youth. And, and afterwards, because I'm a sucker for books, I uh, bought his book, Crazy Love, which I'd really recommend. Um, and there's something in that book that continues to challenge me in this whole area of loving well. So I thought I'd share it with you because I can guarantee that it will challenge you too. (laughs) He talks about reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the famous love chapter, and replacing the word love with your name. So I'll give you an example. Feel free to turn to it if you want to. It will come on the screen as well. I'm going to say my name, but I want you to think your name every time you hear Becky. Okay, so you're ready. Becky is patient. Becky is kind. She does not envy. She does not boast. She is not proud. She does not dishonor others. She is not self-seeking. She is not easily angered. She keeps no record of wrongs. Becky does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. She always protects, always trusts, always hopes always perseveres. It's powerful, isn't it? As disciples on a mission, this is the context out of which we impact others. As we ask the Spirit to fill us, this is what the overflow looks like. There's no way that I can love like that in my own strength. It's this life of love that motivates us And I'm finding that you cannot read Jesus' teaching and words without being moved to step out and love those in front of you. 
I've been learning recently how taking these risks for God and stepping out in mission is an awesome way of experiencing closeness and cultivating intimacy with the Father. This happens, yes, by being alone in the secret place with God, but also from stepping out in faith, the place where the reality of relying on the Father really kicks in. That place of vulnerability where we dive before we see the water. I remember about this time last year speaking to a Muslim taxi driver about my faith. And that conversation came about because uh, me and my friend were talking and he was listening to our conversation. Um, and she, I can't remember what she was saying, but talking about something cute. And I went, oh, bless him, as you do. And, uh, and the taxi driver said to me, what do you mean when you say bless him? And even though I was really just using it as a bit of a flippant expression, I took the plunge and I told him that I was a follower of Jesus and that I believe that God blesses people because he's a good father. Now, I remember being nervous in that moment, but I really felt God's nearness in that taxi. And really, it shouldn't surprise me that intimacy with God is cultivated by stepping out for him. Because it was in the context of going out and making disciples that Jesus promised in Matthew 28, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Stepping out and sharing our faith in Jesus, being motivated by love for God and love for people, means we experience his power and know his closeness. The third key that I want to share that helps us to make choices that impact and influence others for the kingdom is to develop sustainable rhythms in our life. Now, I find it interesting that Paul in the Romans passage says to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Choosing to live as a sacrifice by relying on the Father and loving well must come from offering our whole self to God. And the truth is that we are not solely spiritual beings. We have bodies and minds that are finite. Now, when we gave our life to Jesus, he knew full well that he wasn't getting the services of some kind of machine to add value to his kingdom. Psalm 103, verse 14 says, For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. And so actually what we offer him is the fragile, temporary, mortal life that he has first given to us. That is all we have to offer. And to be fully alive as a living sacrifice, I believe that we mustn't neglect the truth that we are physical beings. You might have heard the analogy of how we have different tanks. So thinking about our spiritual tank and our uh, relational tank, emotional tank, physical tank. I actually prefer to think of it as batteries. Because it's important that we know what depletes us in all of these areas as well as what recharges us. And my experience has been that if I've not taken time to recharge my physical battery, then all the other batteries suffer the consequences. So in order to live a life of sustainable mission, there are certain physical rhythms that God has given us to help us steward well the life of service that we're offering to him. 
Now, these are things that God does not need, but he's given to them, given them to us as a gift. So they're things like sleep, rest, food, exercise. And as we embrace these gifts that recharge us physically, we are recognizing that God is God and we are not. When we take these gifts seriously, we're choosing reliance on him over self-reliance. So I want to finish by just looking briefly at each of these rhythms. I want to share a couple of things that I found helpful in terms of prioritising them, but really we'll only scratch the surface. My hope is to provoke questions in you to talk to God about later, about how and when you recharge physically. So firstly, sleep. God never needs to sleep and never sleeps. But to be human means to need sleep. We need it to restore our energy and it's the daily gift that our Father gives us to recharge. And we neglect it at our own risk. Now, there are many reasons why we may have disrupted or troubled sleep that are not down to reasons that we can change. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is the intentional burning the candle at both ends of the night because we won't trust God for our work and our service. It's what the psalmist refers to in Psalm 127 when he says, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. I know for me it can be so tempting to stay up late, toiling and working, just getting one more job done, and then continue the next day with an early start, so that before I know it, I've developed this unhealthy sleep pattern. What I'm learning to do is to see sleep as an expression of trust in God, a bit like the manna in the wilderness, God's provision for each day. We sleep because we don't believe the advancement of God's kingdom is down to us. Now, I recently read a few um, ideas for ending the day well that helps to prioritise sleep that I've been trying out. So I thought I'd share a few of them with you. You might find a couple of them helpful. So the first thing is just to have a few quiet moments to look back on the day and to pray about anything that God brings to mind. Because what I found, I don't know about you, but that happens anyway. If I'm lying in bed and turn the light off, suddenly all these things that I didn't know I was thinking about ping up and that's all I can think about. So actually I found if I kind of get there first and I'm intentional before I turn that light out and just have a think about the day and just ask the Holy Spirit what he wants me to think about and offer back to him. That then helps me when the light goes off. Also, secondly, doing something then to help me wind down. So for me, checking my phone last thing before bed is not a good idea and actually makes me feel more awake. So I find reading a couple of pages of a book that is completely unrelated to work or Christian service just helps slow down my mind and body towards sleep. Thirdly, and I love this one, it just seems so obvious, but I've never thought to do it. um, End the day by looking back at the Bible verse or passage with which you began the day. It just kind of helps to bring everything full circle. It's amazing how you might have forgotten that you read that in the morning and yet God's been doing something with that truth in your spirit throughout the day. Fourthly, keep some paper by your bed so that if something does suddenly spring to mind that's something urgent or important, you can just write it down and then forget about it for the night.
So I thought I'd share those because they've been really helpful as I've been trying them out over the last couple of months. The second rhythm is rest. In Genesis 2, both work and rest were created. The day after Adam and Eve were created, they were given a day of rest. They weren't put straight to work. And God has hardwired this one-day, six-day pattern of rest and work into creation and therefore into us. Years ago, a senior doctor wrote in the Times, we doctors in the treatment of nervous diseases are compelled to provide periods of rest. Some of these periods are, I think, only Sundays in arrears. Now, we know that Sunday can often be the most busiest day of the week, but it is so important that we build in a day of rest really regularly in order to stop, put down and celebrate what God is doing so that we can be refreshed. Rest must be planned for and fought for. I have found for me that it never happens by accident. I've shared before how it was a revelation to me that I could write keep free in my diary ahead of time (laughs) to ensure that my my weeknights and my days don't suddenly fill up back to back with uh, commitments. Now, if we get to the point where we're feeling dry and lacking revelation, then I would suggest that we need to look again at the balance of work and rest in our life. As we rest, we are demonstrating our reliance on the Father. And it is there that we receive fresh revelation and creativity for the day ahead. The final rhythm is food and exercise, and I've deliberately put those together because certainly in my life, the two are definitely related. Often when I am in busy achiever mode, I forget to eat well and end up saying, oh, I don't have time for exercise. I don't prioritise planning and preparing nutritious meals, and then I end up shopping when I'm hungry and buying utter rubbish to eat. But what I love is how Jesus prioritised meals with his disciples. And there are hundreds of references to food in the Bible. One of the first things that Jesus did when he appeared to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee after his resurrection was say to them, come and have breakfast, friends and family. And out of that to buy food that nourishes and sustains me. And alongside that, it's important to recharge through exercise. When we raise our heartbeat, we release endorphins that do things to sustain us in a way that sleep alone will not. Exercise helps us to manage our emotions. We know that, don't we, and the the stress of the day. And the biggest lesson that I've learned on this one is that it's got to be fun. Otherwise, I don't stick at it. So that will look different for each of us. Um, So, for example, uh, Kate and I have had great fun. I know that we've talked to some of you about this at our uh, club-a-size class, um, which, for those of you that don't know, is basically aerobics in the dark with glow sticks. (coughs) Really recommend it. (laughs) So that's what it looks like for Kate to be. But um, for the rest of you, you'll know what it is. You'll know what's fun and what brings life to you. So maybe take the opportunity to combine a rest day with a walk or try out a new class like Kate and I did or go running with friends. The key is that we recognise we can have fun with God as we do it. And that in turn helps us to recharge physically and probably helps us to sleep better too. 
So as we finish, I want to remind you of the question that I asked us at the start. Am I making choices today that will impact and influence future generations? How are you doing at living your life with a long-term view in mind? Allowing the sacrifice you offer to God to truly be a living sacrifice. One that is sustainable as you step out as a disciple on mission. I believe that God has got such good stuff planned for us as we choose reliance on him over self-reliance. And as we renew our minds with his truth. God has got breakthrough for us as we prioritise this life of love and as we step out to bring life to those around us.